Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm Augusto Pinaud. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Mark Elwicks. Welcome, gentlemen, and welcome to everybody who is both watching us live but also listening in the podcast. Uh, today we're doing something really interesting and I think which is going to be fun. Uh, we are actually uh, live at Remote Work Productivity Conference 2020. And uh, if you missed it, you can head over to remoteworkproductivity.co and uh, check out the, the uh, video replays. But what we're going to do today is we're going to have a conversation, both as uh, the panel here, but also with the live audience about remote work productivity. And I'd like to move it in three parts, uh, as I've done in actually a panel discussion this morning that we had, uh, but as well in uh, just any discussion, I like to talk about strategies uh, to the technology and then collaboration all three sets of practices that really pull together the functions of remote work productivity. And I'm gonna start off with some of the, my, my own thoughts here in terms of whether or not I've gotten all the pieces. So I asked this of the panelists this, this morning and I'm actually curious what you gentlemen have to think is, as I said, strategies, technology, collaboration, did I get it right? Is it all the pieces? And, or are they the right buckets? Or you know what are the other ones? Now note that the panelists uh, actually agreed with me. <laughs> so I'll start off with well, the fact we'll that they were Well, we'll fix that right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you know that's not how this works. <laughs> All right. So what were the buckets again? I wasn't Strategies. listening. Okay. <laughs> Strategies, technology, okay. collaboration. All right. Uh, I would add probably a fourth one. And I don't have a really good name for it, so I'm going to call it psychology because it's, it's the mentality and the mindset that has to go along with it. So you can lay out all the strategies you want. You can have the tech. But if you're not sensitive to the emotional and the, the EQ layer of it, the rest of it's going to fall apart because you're going to have a bigger issue. Yeah, I would add well-being as well. I think I think the the ones we're adding could be probably collected under strategies, different kinds of strategies. Because and that's strategies what I really kind of all encompassing. And that's what I really tend to think is that you know strategies is an, a pretty large, encompassing, broad category of all of the productivity and organizational and biological strategies that we use toward having really um, performance, high performance in a remote work environment. Now, are we talking about it from the standpoint of as an individual working in that environment, or are we looking at it from the perspective of a team of people working in that environment that you're part of, or a team of people that you're responsible for? Because to would, me, there's three different perspectives there. Yeah, and I would put all of the other things that are team-based under collaboration, whether that's management or okay. uh, peer, peer, you know, peer leadership in essence, but, you know, or modeling yourself managed. and that kind of thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's how I understand it. You know, the part of, of the strategies is more 
close related to the personal productivity, the part of collaboration, it is more to that team environment. And as I said, the, the problem with technology is that technology is really a support tool. It evolves way too fast to be anything else than support. And, you know, if you look at the technology you were using five years ago, okay, versus what you're using now, there is, in most cases, not even a comparison. So it, it is more how you really set those strategies and can adjust those strategies, how you can in, embrace that collaboration and use the technology as a support for all those. Yeah, but I would, I would, I would also add almost a caveat or a warning, which is that as new technology comes in, it disrupts people's concept of support. So there are lots of people who are using Zoom, for example, who never used it before, who didn't want to use, never wanted to use it before, who are being essentially forced to use it. And they've had to go through a learning curve that they didn't anticipate ever going through. And so technology for those, for people who aren't already requiring a certain level of support is a nuisance and a, an imposition and it's a new learning curve and now I've got to adapt to it. So it's not, it's not support, it's a challenge. So I would, I would well, add that caveat. And I'm, I'm going to build on that because when you are in a non-remote working environment, you have, for lack of a better term, a level playing field. Everybody has the same conference room. They have access to the same materials, the same resources if they're working in the same building, that type of a thing. In this type of a remote working environment, we're not on the same playing field anymore. I'm in a very comfortable office that I have set up with my recording gear and, and multiple monitors. And I'm, I'm in my happy place. Other people are sitting at the dining room table with the dog chewing on one leg and the two-year-old chewing on the other. So we have to be cognizant of the fact of where we have previously assumed that everybody was operating at the same level. That's not the case anymore. And that has to be taken into consideration as one of those best practices to, to be more empathetic and sympathetic to people's situations that they are trying to accomplish the work in that they were, they were previously doing next to you in many cases. Yeah, I have a real difficulty with the uh, poor internet of people who, with whom I'm, I'm meeting. You know, I just have that difficulty of like, oh, you know, I can't understand you. I can't whatever. And you're absolutely right, Art, that you have to like take a step back and like take a deep breath and understand that it's not their fault. It's not a, a moral failing of the individual that their technology is failing them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's really just a fact that it's an imposition for them to have to work from home in many cases, as uh, Francis noted. No one prepared for this. Um, we're going to get to a point, though, I think, as we make our way through this, where some of these pieces are going to be expected of people that, you know, it's not their fault now. Um, and uh, John is noting here actually in the chat that sometimes it is their fault, bad Wi-Fi, bad placement, no hard line. You're absolutely right, John. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, at this, at this kind of juncture, people haven't really been educated about that. And I think it behooves all of us who are productivity minded, who are, who are, peer leaders and are capable of helping people understand that these things exist, that the technology is, is actually rather difficult. We just have to really get over the fact that it's difficult and then move toward helping people understand that, you know what, 
Wi-Fi. Your, your Wi-Fi router is what connects you to the internet. If you are going to have a meeting, uh, you need to make sure that you are potentially plugged into it physically, like I am. I'm always physically plugged into the internet when I'm having uh, a meeting like this because I don't want to deal with uh, internet connectivity issues with the Wi-Fi uh, going down and otherwise. And I actually have a fairly strong mesh network in my in my, my home office and my office in general. Um, so, you know, like we have to, um, we're going to, I think we're going to go from a place of being okay with it to a place of being not okay with it. And I'm curious if, if all of you think the same about that or what do you think will happen as people start to feel like, okay, we've been in this for a while now, even after this, lockdown is over and folks come out of uh, of, of a, a remote work environment and start going back to the office and are, are working potentially from home on occasion, they're still going to be expected or are we going to give people latitude? Well, I think there is a couple of things. You know, one is we, many people discover how poorly is the residential side of the things, okay? Because people is used to be using the services on their work without considering how really weak are on the residential side. Even some of us who have worked home longer that has really tried to find more robust systems struggle with finding them. It's, it's find the actual connectivity that is solid, that is speed and all those things. So that's one thing that is now going to change. I remember at the beginning of our our pandemic, people saying, why the internet is down all the time? Well, because it was never designed for everybody connecting during the day. <laughs> so all those things now are, are going to get better and people is under, for the first time taking into consideration how much bandwidth all the devices consume and use, you know. We used to come home and it's, well, watch a movie, play the games, read the news, whatever it was, but it was not a pressing need to have the speed and the connectivity as required the work part. So I think that's now a realization people is having and saying, okay, this need to improve somehow in the residential area. And the other part is people were used to the device they get. Okay, and I'm talking about on the cases where you can have options. I get there are many environments where it's no option, it's that or that. But on the on the ones who have the option, people have never explored and expanded the options on the resources and the limitations they have. A lot of families found that, well, now the, the computer needs to be used during this time for the school, so I need to figure out how to do my job on the phone or the iPad or the tablet while all these things were happening because everybody has limited resources. So there was not an unlimited number of machines. A lot of people i seen have come hands-on into their tech support issues because now the tech support guy, it's not at the end of the hallway. You cannot go and don't think on the problem and just dump the laptop. So there has been a lot of good things out of this that I think are going to change a lot of the things and make it really better for everybody. Well, we also have to appreciate the fact that this is something that we've always trusted our IT departments to do. Now at home, we are the IT department. And if the internet hiccuped when you're watching a Netflix film, okay, it hiccuped, not a big deal. If it hiccups when you're in the middle of a software build, that's a whole different conversation. And 
at work, you would go yell at the IT guy. Well, I used to be the IT guy got, they got yelled at for infrastructure. So I can appreciate the fact that this is not something that people are prepared to handle. And when we think about our virtual teams, we have to understand that people are dealing with things that are outside their comfort zone, outside their wheelhouse. They don't know process. They don't know procedure. They don't know the tips and tricks to make things work, like hard lining to a router. Those types of things are something that we have to document and share because it impacts productivity directly. I mean, if you can't connect, you can't be productive on many things when you're working remotely. And that becomes a key measure for all of this. And it has to be somehow brought into the equation because if you're an employee who was super productive at work, but at home you don't even have Wi-Fi or can't afford Wi-Fi or you live in a, a location where internet doesn't, doesn't go as far as where you live. Where I live right now, I'm living in the hills and when, or we don't have data pretty much. We don't get data. Um, I have to use Wi-Fi and if that goes, then I'm out of luck. Um, but then companies and schools actually, because I've heard that here in Jamaica school, there's some students who have just gone missing since the pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, schooling for them, education for them was a, a step up. It was an opportunity to, to take their circumstances to the next level. You take that step up and they go back down to chaos, no access to technology, no access to structure, no access to teachers, and no hope of ever getting them in the short term. So there was no schooling for them at this time because there was no access to the internet. So how do we assure a level playing field for employees who are disadvantaged by this pandemic and I'll throw in students as well? You know, Those are hard stops. And you know, it is interesting you said that and John Chen is putting on the on the chat something interesting. I like to say it's a wild west where everybody right now is creating the best practice and the etiquette. And and it he's I think he's referring more to the business world, but it applies to exactly what you are saying. Right now, you know, say work with certain international clients and they say, Well, when can I do this? And I say, wait, 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 understand. This is the first time on history that I'm aware of that the world has a stop and close okay everything you know I, I described this is the first one of the few times if not the first that the internal revenue service in the United States has moved the April 15 uh, tax day okay? that has a massive implications on everything so so I agree to a certain extent with with John on we are on the wild wild west the question is the people who experienced some of that and now can go like uh, Clint Eastwood because we were there before and know how to ride a horse how can we help the people who are suddenly found themselves here but they have never ride a horse and I think that's where things like this conference has the ability to give some of the clues or what that etiquette is and bring also those problems that you are referring to, how we level the playing field between the people who, like Art has an office, like me have an office, and the people who are now working on the dining room table and on one side they have a kid and on the other side is a husband, okay, and the dog is playing around the, the table driving them crazy. 
one of the things, and I, I want to talk to John's point a little bit about having checklists and having procedures and guides. A lot of the things that our natural reaction in the productivity space is, is around things we can directly affect. To-do lists, task lists, tools, those types of things. But I think one of the biggest things we have to take into consideration is this entire new suite of soft skills that we have to learn and that people are having to learn that they've never had to deal with before. For example, that not everybody works on the same time schedule when they're at home. So do you expect somebody to be there at 9 a.m. and be off at 5 p.m.? Is that reasonable? Is that even productive? Do you get more productivity by splitting the day up? Well, if one person on your team does and another person doesn't, how are you balancing that? The, one of the teams I work on currently, I have a person in Arizona, I have a person in Malvern, Pennsylvania, and I have a person in Hyperbad, India. So our time schedule is all over the place. And one of the soft skills is to figure out how to transition work between us, ourselves, to take advantage of that difference. There is no checklist for that. There's no best practice around that. And there's certainly no specific tool that does that exceptionally well. We have to work within those spaces. But it's that soft skill of learning and understanding. And I'm going to use the phrase, being compassionate about the struggle of doing that that makes effective teams and ultimately makes everybody on that team more productive. I don't want to give up my midday nap. I just took one just a while ago. That's, I love naps. Naps are a wonderful me. thing. <laughs> you know, I could do a whole up. episode just on naps. <laughs> I wish I could how do we have nap. not done, How we have not never done an I don't episode know. of naps? I don't know because I love my naps. Capturing, that, capturing that right now, people. Oh, man, that 20-minute, that 30-minute targeted nap. Yeah. Man, exactly. I get so much back. But, but I want to bring a, a something, so an, another question we have, we have in there. And, and Mike, Mike is saying, okay, how much time daily would you recommend allocating to exercise, meditation, socializing, working, cooking, reading, et cetera, for optimal performance? And I may say that we should add nap to that list, but, um, but, in, but in, the, in how those schedule work, because it tied up with what you were discussing, now that adds you know, another layer of complexity because what your optimal performance schedule will be may or most likely not match with your husband or wife, match with your kids, match with all that family dynamic that happen around. So how do you build those limits, those walls, so all that can flow in the best way possible? So I'll start in the sense that I used to travel quite a bit, and I had a lot more control over my time when I was on the road than when I am at home. And that has um, caused a quite a bit of rejiggering of my system. I've needed to recreate the schedule. And just going back to fundamentals, what is your routine? What are the, what are the hard-coded parts of your day that you know you're going to do? And, um, you know, down to, are you going to go to the bathroom in the morning? Uh, you know, are you going to eat a meal uh, throughout the day? Those are hard-coded into your day. You're going to do those things. And so tying to those pieces the parts that then are self-care and proper hygiene and so on and so forth are, are then going to get kind of coupled to that. Uh, and that's going to help you create some level of grounding. And then in those discretionary spaces, determining what else needs to happen is how I think about it. Uh, what are the parts that need to happen in terms of your work role and 
really necessity, right? Not not the all the frills of what you do at the office, but really the the core parts of your role. Especially, and I, I keep talking about this. I'm I'm kind of on a soapbox about this lately, which is that we're in an economic downturn, global economic downturn, right? And I'm hearing lots of uh, conflicting data from, you know, there's politicians out there who, who have every interest in doing that. I don't have an interest in uh, muddying the waters with that discussion just to know that there's an economic downturn. I, I happen to work in small business, small business economic development. So I see it live in real time, businesses failing all around me. And my job is to help them. And it just shocks me that we are all not really taking into account that if you work for a company, especially a small business, um, there is struggle ahead um, or there's struggle right now imminently. Uh, people are losing their jobs. People are having to tighten their, their belts. So when you're thinking about how to be high performance in your job, it's not just so that you can do a great job. It's also that you can keep retain your job, that you want to be able to show the vitality and um, the vital elements of why someone should keep you over getting rid of someone else. And this is important for us all to really take heart to is what are the vital components in your day that are going to provide the most value to the people who have the decision to keep you or get rid of you. Um, and then, of course, there's the nice to haves, uh, the things that are, you know, parts of your day that uh, you enjoy and make, uh, you know, um, make your work interesting, uh, make your life interesting and putting those pieces in. I know that for me, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, let, I'll turn it over to, to you gentlemen, uh, I know that I've actually been able to add a few things into my world that I wasn't otherwise capable of doing because of the commute, travel, everything else. Now that I'm really here almost all the time, <laughs> it feels like, um, you know, I'm able to do things like I was going to a yoga class and now I don't. I do it at home uh, through a, a, a virtual environment and it's actually been really quite wonderful. I don't, I don't think I'm going to go back to a yoga studio after this because I actually like doing it. And not that I'm not going to go out and take classes and, and that kind of thing in, in other capacities, but in this particular capacity, I was taking time to travel and get there and sometimes I wouldn't go because it was just too much of a hurdle to do. And so it works out for me that I really enjoy just doing it by myself with a, with, um, with a guide and that's virtual and it's been great. So how about you gentlemen in terms of mastering your, your routine uh, for optimal performance? It's, it's interesting you mentioned that because I worked from home full time for about five years. And after that, I was working on client site all the time. So I had about a 45 minute commute each way and I modified my system and my structure. So that 45 minute commute became my quote thinking time for the day. I couldn't do anything else. So I would just think process through voice record things, capture things to deal with them later on. Well, when this shifted back to being home, I lost that 45 minutes at either end of the day. I lost my thinking time. And in the first two weeks, I realized that was the biggest impact because I'd get up in the morning, go through my morning routine, and then jump right into work. And I realized, I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's because I hadn't, I had lost that piece of my routine and my equation and my process. So I had to work that back into the process. I actually have in my schedule focus time blocked out in the morning so that it has to be there. Because to me, that was a critical impact of, on my productivity. But the only way for me to identify that was through self-assessment. I had to figure out what was going off the rails, what had changed, and could I adapt to that change or did I need to get back to the way things were? And in my case, I needed to find some way to get back to the way things were for that particular one. And again, I, I stress that for 
when you're working with teammates, um, I have a teammate, one of the best developers I've ever worked with. She's fantastic. And now she's at home with her two-year-old son. In the office, she can crank out code like nobody's business. At home, she's chasing the little guy around. So her, net, her schedule now starts at like 11 o'clock at night. Well, that also means that she's tired. She's dealing with problems that I don't have to deal with. My kids are all grown. So I have to take that into consideration when assigning tasks, working with tasks, taking responsibility back, and understanding my process has changed. I have to be cognizant of the fact that absolutely hers did, did as well. Wow. Well, and I, and I want to tie to that, you know, one comment that is, that is there on the chat, you know, from, from Joseph. And he said, you know, with all that is happening, you know, we have to provide compassion during these unique times and encourage, you know, before to, to do, to have that compassion and to follow checklists and, and maximize and see how, you know, cases like that can be helped and, and what, resources can be provided and the resource may be hey more like you used to provide this much and right now this is what you can provide how can we support you because that part is going to be really really important you know regarding my mine same thing i needed to when like you walk back to the drawing board and and i sure actually on your show art I had a client who he was really struggling because he was used to his corporate office with whiteboards and he was working on the dining room and he said, I want to keep my marriage, therefore I cannot put whiteboards in there. <laughs> okay. But what he did is he went to, to um, Amazon and bought marker that he can draw on on the windows. So he using the windows as the whiteboard during the day. And then when the day is over, he cleans so the wife doesn't uh, kill him, but it solved that problem. So it is also look into what can you do in a creative way so you get those solutions also ahead. So you get that time that you needed that was important for you. It may not be in the same way. Hey, you may need to get into the shower you know, get into the into the bathroom, close the door, and hold the uh, the tube of the shower so you feel that you are in the subway again for 20 minutes, listening to your music. Fine, do that if you need to. Find what need to work for you to be able to accomplish that. I've found that I have fewer big meetings with clients, which is a kind of a good thing because it means no traffic, and also none of that. Um, you know how it is with clients. You sort of have to give them extra time for them to understand you. You understand them. Social grease. At the end, they want to talk. And so the inefficiency that came from these long meetings, like one meeting could take a whole day just because it takes a long time. That's gone away. But what's replaced it is lots of, of smaller tasks. So I found myself managing more tasks than before of a shorter duration, which means I've had to make more choices and more decisions. I'm time blocking more than I, I think I've ever had before. And Augusto, I'm actually using something from the Impact Journal, um, straight from I, the episode that we did on the Impact Journal had us read the book. Um, and the I, I took bits and pieces of your morning and evening routines, specifically those and put them into my morning routine because that's where I do most of that kind of activity. 
And sure enough, it's made a difference. So I've had to become more um, rigorous, a bit, a bit more disciplined because I'm managing more tasks than I had before. Um, time blocking more as a result. Um, and I think it's, it's just because the nature of my work has changed. And also because we're, of course, in a recession, I'm trying to do more new things than I've tried before. So I have my fingers in lots of different holes in the dike, so to speak, than I ever have before. Way more granular sort of my experience. Well, and I think you're bringing up probably one of the most important points there, Francis, is the fact that we're all trying to do more and we have to, we have to take that time to say, are we doing more of the right things? Are there things that we, we should be getting rid of that we have been doing that are not contributing to those end goals? And if you look at the impact journal and if you look at other methodologies and approaches, that type of a pillared approach really becomes critical now because that's the only way for us to maintain focus because it's so easy to get distracted. I mean, I sit and I look at all the post-it notes and paper notes and everything else I have around me. Why? Because it's just the velocity of the work that's going on at this point. I have to force myself to back up and, and focus on these things. And John brings up a good point. This has been a great opportunity for collaboration and creativity. In a corporate environment, I sit there, I'll work at my desk, work at my cube, maybe lean over and talk to the person next to me for a minute or two on something. I've actually had sessions since being home where I'll run a, a Teams meeting with one of my teammates and we'll leave it open for two hours. And we'll sit there and just literally talk back and forth as we work on individual projects. We'd have to tie up a conference room to do that. We'd be, get interrupted. This is it gives us a unique opportunity to focus and collaborate at a level that we never could have before, especially since he's in Arizona. So we have to start to look for those opportunities, but we also have to start to look for the, the chances to trim the tree and really help it grow the way it needs to grow. Also note for folks that Francis noted uh, the episode we recorded about the Impact Journal. This doesn't normally happen uh, because I edit those things out, but that episode is not yet out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so it will come it's coming if you're listening uh just Ray, it's not it's that's not called a teaser <laughs> <laughs> i just want to make sure people don't email me that you know i get the emails of i don't see that episode in the feed it's coming it's coming no the, uh, the so correct three answer emails, for every three emails ray get you get would you, will you get another ticket for the raffle <laughs> yeah, there you go. the correct answer is it's in one of the episodes i don't remember which one so you'll have to listen to them all <laughs> so that's the correct response. Okay. So what, what I want to do is talk a little bit about the technology and how we can uh, get a better reign on the technology as it relates to remote work. Um, we can obviously note that we have to be dependent upon the internet and the World Wide Web generally for the applications that sit on top of the internet architecture uh, that allows us to be able to communicate. I'm really curious about there is so much new software uh, being peddled in, uh, in, in furtherance of you can be more productive. And I'm curious about everyone's thoughts in terms of what we do as the technology becomes kind of more rapidly changing than before. And at the same time, there is more variety of those tools. And again, you know, I think most people are going to stick to the, the big 
few companies that are managing these pieces. I think Microsoft Teams, uh, Zoom has come to notoriety, Google Meet within the enterprise environment. We have Facebook and, uh, and Apple uh, producing their own uh, levels of, of technologies uh, for us to be able to meet but there's all of these other tools that are out there, Slack and uh, Trello and, and so on and so forth, you know, so and so many tools. How do, we, how do we control that so that we don't get overwhelmed with the number of tools that everybody's using so we can actually focus and stay productive on our goals? We all know that that's one of the biggest problems with tools is that that's one of the key things with productivity people is we're tool geeks most of the time. We want to try the newest, coolest thing out that, yeah, totally. I mean, I think about all the different ones that I play with and I'll load and play with for a half hour and then unload. And honestly, that's a half hour that I'm not getting back to work on something else. Mm -hmm. Now, is that a bad thing? Well, I had to think about that a little bit. And I quantified this in my head a long time ago, that if my evaluation of a new tool helps me understand my process better, then it's time well spent. If it's purely for the sake of just learning that tool that I will never use again, then it's not time well spent. So I help, I use that to say, okay, how would I apply this particular tool with the way I do things? Not trying to get it to redefine how I do things. It's not the easiest thing to do at times, but it helps me rationalize playing with so many tools. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I need to, I need to, I mean, it is good that we are going to get this, is, this is getting record. I need to listen to that again. <laughs> so I'm going to build a strong argument that I'm going sure. to attach to the permission to sleep I ask for test by new software and hardware yep. every time I need one. Yep. yep. <laughs> I, I become more of a, a Luddite, I think. Uh, earlier this year, you guys convinced me to switch over from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Belatedly, <laughs> there you go, <laughs> and it's been it's been an awesome awesome experience. It's, it's Windows Ten, just as you guys said, is way better than Windows Seven. But in in general, the reason I say I'm a bit of a luddite is unless I can nowadays, unless I can envision the improvement I can get from a particular kind of software, I dismiss all of them. I become sort of completely, or not completely, but very much a let me make sure that it'll, in my head, I know that I need that improvement before I go looking for the software that would allow me to have the improvement. So with Windows 10, I, I couldn't see the improvement clearly until I think Ray told me that someone could hijack my computer in Windows 7. If, <laughs> so there, that, that got me going. Mm-hmm. Same day. That was it. That would do I it. Just, that was it. That would, that would do it. But, but I become, I, if I can't envision the change, I'm not going to switch. I'm not going to experiment either unless... I've already thought through the change. So I'm, I'm taking more of an, I need to know I need something before I go looking for something. And if someone offers me something that doesn't look like anything that I think I already need, I say, no, I don't have time. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till I actually need it to check it out. But Just to, to go back to something in the chat that John brought up, um, which is something that I'm actually doing tomorrow. Uh, he mentions that a library holds office hours by running Zoom from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and always have staff available for people. We're doing the same inter- same thing internally at the corporate client I'm working at, where we're trying to get people comfortable with the migration that's happening. So we're having open office hours. No scheduled presentation, no scheduled demon- demonstration or content. It's we got people in a virtual room, come ask your questions. And if nothing else, you can leave feeling more comfortable, even if you're not feeling more informed. So I think when we look at these tools, there is a market space, 
this is going to sound pessimistic. There's a market space in the productivity realm that has said, ooh, this is an opportunity for me to sell something new or to repackage something old as something new and still sell it. My argument to everybody I've talked to has been really, really simple. Simplify. Boil it down. Look at the stuff you're doing first. Look at the tools you're using first. And only if it absolutely positively is not cutting it, then start making the one. There's nothing wrong with, with browsing. Window shopping's great. But don't dive into the deep end. It, it's just, you're just asking for trouble if you're not doing it in a prepared method or methodical manner. I must say, I'm really so glad that this has caused Google to step up Google Meet. Uh, you know, <laughs> I really do. I'm so thankful that this has really pushed the envelope uh, for Google Meet. They've been, they've had to, uh, you know, their competition is uh, Teams and Zoom, and they've really just started to iterate on the product. Even in the most recent iteration, at least within G Suite, you now have uh, noise cancellation coming into the technology. I'm just really the stuff that is capable if these. Uh, you know, larger tech companies just focus their efforts on the things that really help us make productivity happen. Like when they make us more productive, they are going to be better off. And and it comes down to your point, Art, it's focusing on products that actually help us as opposed to these fringe products uh, that they keep putting out there. Someone recently, I was just, uh, oh, Microsoft. They, you know, they, they have this whole, uh, you know, planner turned into tasks, Microsoft to do from the Wonderlist purchase. And, uh, you know, they just keep, Throw, now they have Microsoft lists. I mean, they're just confusing the market in terms of what they're trying to do in the world. And I really would wish that they would just say, you know what, we have Outlook. We once upon had, uh, you know, tasks in Outlook that worked really well and or didn't work really well, depending upon the person. Uh, but we're going to really innovate in that space and make it solid and then connect it to Teams. And But for some reason, it seems like these tech giants just have a tendency to throw things at the wall and hope something sticks and then run with it in that capacity. And it well, just and really... I think Trevor's raising a good echo to that question. He, Trevor's asking, how do you look at pure tools versus tools that enforce specific processes? And I, I think for me, that's where I draw the line. If somebody's tool says it solves this problem, I always look at it askew because I'm like, how do you know you have the problem defined in a way that's going to be applicable to me and to somebody else? Whereas tools that are designed as platforms that can be adapted are much more successful. They do require you to learn more about them and become creative in how to apply those. But when I look at things like Evernote, OneNote, SharePoint, Notion, all of those different, you know, Coda, um, Airtable, they're open platform type of structures, not truly open, but you know what I mean. They're things that you can configure to match your need set. So the challenge that- yeah, they have that innate configurability to find solutions using that platform. And I think that's where we benefit the most by looking at things through those glasses. If we're trying to find that tool that solves that specific problem, uh, Trevor mentioned uh, that new email service that's out, Hey, or whatever it is. I, I don't from know. the same folks who the, from the same folks who build uh, Basecamp, uh, Hay is is being produced by uh, DHH, who is actually the progenitor of uh, Ruby on Rails. Yeah, I saw the the price tag and kept scrolling. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but that's a, that's the type of thing. My system should be able to be technology agnostic. 
I should be able to build my system in Outlook, in Google Mail, in wherever, doesn't matter. If I haven't done that, then I am trusting my system's implementation to someone else. And that, I have yet to find that end well. No, what? I, sorry, I, I said a lot that people tend to overcomplex productivity and there's really nothing complex to the mystery of productivity because really it's as as you've been saying about the principles the tricks and the better habit, habits and really use technology to support it the problem sometimes is that people want instead of principle tricks and better habits that i get it is a challenging part okay they want the technology to solve the problem technology will never solve it will just can support it and can support it really well, but it will never be the solution. I was going to say that the um, goal for us is to think about tools that serve a specific process, as Trevor was talking about, in, in terms of how it actually integrates into our other tools. I, I generally do not choose a tool that doesn't currently integrate with the other tools that I'm using. So if it does have a specific process, um, then I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to likely adopt it into my own system if it doesn't already fit into the other tools that work in my ecosystem. So for me, I am highly targeted around making sure that my world, uh, the tools that I am using in my world, work very very well together. And so to bring in a new sort of family member into that environment uh, requires quite a bit of courtship for me. And I'm happy, uh, you know, as Art was talking about earlier, you kind of justifying playing with tools. I play with all kinds of tools all the time, uh, but that they become a part of my kind of family of tools, that is few and far between. You know, you don't have children every day. That's why biology gave us nine months. Uh, <laughs> although, <laughs> although, although, wow, uh, okay. Didn't see that one coming. That's all yeah. right. Nine months of gestation. This is I, where we got the explicit mark on the podcast. Yeah, we have worked so hard not to get. You know what, though? That's not a bad best practice. Give any new tool nine months. It was only seven months evaluate. for me. I was I was productive out oh. the womb. I was I was wait, premium. Wait, so. wait. Uh, Ray, yeah. you were in a hurry? I can't imagine. I, I never. We, we have not experienced that in, in all the time this podcast that has all. record. Nope. <laughs> But, but yeah, the, the point is is that we, we really want to make sure that we can give enough time with something before we, we really decide to adopt it into our systems. And, uh, you know, I've, I've played with all the current social media darlings. I've played with all the current productivity darlings. And, uh, and, and none of them have met the, the standard yet for me to say, you know what, this is going to become a part of my world uh, because I need to just, I need to feel that, I'm going to want to open it up every day. So that's one side. The other side actually is, is kind of completely the other avenue, which is that if it's a tool that I could turn on and then it just like fades into the background for me and I never have to think about it and it does something for me, then I'm very likely to choose that tool to do what it is, especially if it has a good business model. Uh, please just, if you are developing productivity software, have a good business model uh, <laughs> because the, you know, I, I, I know that I get up on this soapbox all the time, but um, there was an email application, Newton that formerly cloud magic. And that really burned me because it was one of the first times I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to this other email uh, software. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It works really well. And, uh, and then it had these fits and starts, shut down, start up again. And it really um, made me understand that 
uh, for something fundamental for me in my own productivity system, the amount of havoc it caused because it oh, disappeared yeah. and then and then came back and then disappeared again, I was like, forget it. There's no way I'm going to do that to myself. Uh, so business model integrates or you can set it and it just becomes a part of the background and it's doing something really wonderful for me. And those are the pieces that I really um, enjoy about choosing those you know, tools that are going to be specific um, you know, use cases. Yeah, I always tell people, whatever tool you have, make sure there's an exit strategy for it. Precisely, yeah. precisely. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. We are coming up on the end of our time together, and I wanted to make sure that I uh, caught any questions that were in the chat panel. If anybody has any questions or comments, uh, gentlemen, if you want to go ahead and uh, toss those in there. And then otherwise, we are going to start the process of wrapping up. And anything, anything? Nope. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for this conversation. Thank you to our live audience this week. Maybe we should have a live audience all the time. Uh, hey. <laughs> I'm not quite sure we could do that. No, no, no. There's not going to be a live audience all the time. Uh, but while we are at the end of our discussion, uh, the conversation doesn't stop here. If you have a question or a comment about what we've discussed during this cast, uh, you can go ahead and visit visit our episode page on productivitycast.net. Uh, they're on the podcast website at the bottom of the page. You can feel free to leave a comment or a question. We read them all and we respond if we need to uh, to every uh, question, and, uh, or question or comment that people put our way. Lots of people send email and I try to get back to everybody as quickly as possible. Um, if this is your first time with us, uh, you can consider adding us to your favorite podcast app. They call it subscribing, but it's free. You can just go ahead and go to productivitycast.net and uh, click on the subscribe tab. You'll see all of the various places where all the places, we're, we're in all the things. Um, and you can go ahead and get the episodes downloaded for free every time when a new one comes out. One actually came out this morning. Um, with that, if you have a topic about personal productivity you'd like us to cover on a future cast, feel free to go to productivitycast.net forward slash contact. You can leave a voice recorded message. You can actually press a button on the site. It'll open up your microphone and you can just record it and send us a voice message uh, or you can type a message and then hit submit and that'll send us along a, a typewritten message and uh, maybe we'll feature it in a future episode. So uh, you never know. Uh, I want to express my thanks to Augusto Pinaud, Francis Wade, and Art Gelwicks for joining me here on Productivity Cast this and every week. Uh, you can learn more about them and the work that they do by visiting productivitycast.net as well. Uh, and so I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and on behalf of all of us here at Productivity Cast, here's to your productive life. Take care, everybody. Thank you. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.